For those of you who don't know me, my name is Sid Harvey, and please don't be afraid, I'm not preaching this morning. Um, but it, I'm very, very pleased and thankful to have Jim and Eileen Nielsen here. Uh, they're missionaries with team in Japan and have been for a long time. I know well over 30 years, probably closer to 40. But Jim, also, this church um, has a lot longer history with the Nielsen family than just with Jim and Eileen because New Village Church supported um, Jim and Eileen's parents, Charles and Mary Nielsen, in, in Japan, and Jim grew up there. And God called him back, and I'm so thankful that he answered God's call, and Eileen did with him, and it's um, many, many years. He's one of the few people here that remembers the old church and remembers this property before there was any buildings on it. And um, so there is a long history here, but what's more important is the history of God's faithfulness to both the church and to the Nielsen's ministry in Japan. So thank you, Jim. And I forgot to make an announcement. Oh, the kids, children, the Children's for Children's Church. Please, any children that want to uh, join the Children's Church Ministry, the back door on that side. Thank you. Well, good morning to you all. It's great to be here with you again. This church has a very, very special place in our hearts, and Sid just touched on the history we have here when he mentioned the Nielsen's remember this property before this building was even built. I don't think I go back quite that far, but talking with, with Paul Nelson this morning about when he was a child going to Sunday school in the old church and the adjacent building next door, I thought, boy, you know, the families and the history that's here goes back. And the word that Sid just mentioned, the faithfulness of God in the midst of all of that, is really what stands paramount to all of this. Paul Nelson's father built this church. And I remember coming to this sanctuary when I was a child, when we were back from Japan on home assignment, being led by my dad and mom and the support of this church and the family, the way in which this church family enfolded us and reminded us of their continuing investment, not only in us, but in the carrying the gospel to the ends of the earth. It just happened to be our corner was Japan. And so growing up there, I'm called today, the old term is MK, who knows what that is? Show of hands. Okay, missionary kid, or the other variety that comes in with an MK as a military kid. You might know that too. That type might be represented here this morning. But as an MK today, we're called third culture kids, TCKs, carrying an American passport but growing up in another culture and then going back and forth between the two as I ra we raised three kids overseas in Japan we reminded our kids that they have the best of both countries. And that's where only a third culture, product of a third culture, can even say that and understand. You're probably looking at me, well, what does that even mean? Anyways, it's a blessing to be back here and to be able to 
share from God's word this morning and this evening on a theme that I think is very close to your hearts as it has been to ours. It's the theme of waiting. And this theme goes deep because of the season that we've come through and are continuing to go through with COVID, with shutdowns, with a global pandemic, which is the reason we're still here. This is our second year back on home assignment. Normally missionaries come back for a one year home assignment at the longest. And here we've cycled through a second year because the doors are closed to getting back to Japan still. Our visas will not be approved until the government lifts the, or, uh, basically gives the order to reopen the borders, reopen the doors back into Japan. So we've been waiting and all of you have been waiting for this season to break, for life to resume as normal and the deeper concern is, will it ever return to normal? So I think this is a theme that will resonate in all of our hearts, both this morning as we take a bigger look through history of how waiting fits in, and more specifically this evening, looking at the life of Joseph in how the Lord was ever present in that time of waiting. I said to uh, Paul last night when I was t talking about our our uh, message theme for this morning and this evening, which if you have your outline at the top, it says it's about time we got used to waiting. Um, you, you hear, uh, you see a message title like this and you think, um, well, the question that came to mind for me personally was, how can one be going through a long and extended period of waiting and still at the same time be smack dab in the middle of God's will? And Paul Nelson kind of looks at me and says, well, what about Moses? 40 years in the desert, wasn't that a time of waiting for him? He was thinking exactly the, the direction we're going to be going this morning. This is nothing new. This is all stuff that's embedded in the word of God. And we can be encouraged by that as we see how God uses waiting in the life of the believer to do the work that only he can do and through the circumstances that he is sovereign over. So let's commit this time to the Lord. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word that speaks to our hearts and reminds us that you are sovereign and that you, your ways are higher than our ways, your thoughts are higher than our thoughts, as, as Isaiah puts in Isaiah 55, but that you are present here in the midst of the day of trouble, the things that, the circumstances of each one of our lives, you're ever present in that place as well. And so as we remind ourselves of these things this morning, may our hearts be encouraged and be directed back to, re, to, to the place where we see you anew in the circumstances that we're facing today. And then we commit ourselves in Jesus' name, amen. If you have your outline, the first page of that outline is kind of an overview of where we're going to be going this morning and this evening. And there are actually a, a number of other messages that are coming out of this series. The, the series started with 
about a year and a half ago when I was struggling with this idea of waiting without knowing and when, when the end was going to be coming. And we're talking specifically about COVID, about the pandemic, about lockdowns, about restrictions, more recently mandates and this kind of thing. And the, the, the inner distress that that kind of uh, brought up in me. And as I was thinking about that and thinking, how often do you have a global, not only a national, but a global um, health event such as we have been going through that is shared by everyone everywhere? Oftentimes, you'll open up a passage of scripture and you'll go back into time and say, these were the circumstances of that time and that place, and here's God's word for those people there and then. And that applies generally wherever you look in the word of God. God's word is an overarching and overextending thing of time and history everywhere, over every circumstance of life. But as, a, as the pandemic has unfolded over these last couple of years, we have all been affected by that. And the question that comes as you've been waiting for relief or waiting for an end to come, how are you doing? Has God's word been undergirding you? Has, has God's word been reminding you of his presence and his if I use the word plan and you think of how God works through adversity, boy, that takes us deeper in another direction. If we had a third message tonight, if you want to stay for a third one after tonight's service, we would go into the book of Job to look at how God's work and ways were unfolding during an extreme period of suffering in the life of one of his people. But as you look at your outline, I've given you a little diagram here of a, a larger perspective of going through seasons of suffering, seasons of trials. Where is God in the mid middle of all of this? And if you look at the middle of the diagram, it, it, it draws attention to the God of promise. In Romans 4, verses 20 and 21, Speaking of Abraham, no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God, but he grew strong in faith as he gave glory to God, fully convinced that God was able to do what he had promised. When we open the Bible, we see the God of promise. From the first page the first verse of the bible in the beginning god created the heavens and the earth to the very last verse of uh, the book of revelation where paul on the island of patmos is crying out expressing the heart that every one of us have had at one time or another come soon lord jesus so between the beginning and the final cry of the book of Revelation, we see time and God's plan of salvation unfolding. This is the big picture stuff, and when we refer to Abraham, who is often referred to as the father of faith, faith is embedded in time and history, 
it's spoken to in this verse quoted here from Romans 4, 20 and 21. He was given the promise of a child at the age 75, and he had to wait and wait and wait. And when that child finally was given at age 100, and then fast forward to the Lord saying to him, offer him back to me. Why Abraham is called the father of faith is when you track his testimony and the profound place that faith had in the life of Abraham to trust the God of promise. This is the overarching theme that we see through all of scripture and how time and waiting are integral to the life of the believer. From eternity to eternity, what is God up to? That's the big theme that's unfolding and we'll be touching on history and circumstances uh, this morning, more the history part this evening, the circumstances, the life of Joseph and how God used that, the circumstances of life to really form him and prepare him for what lie ahead. So what we are reminding ourselves of this morning is God's work, the God of promise, is always preserving from above, purifying from within, and preparing for what's ahead. God's incredible plan of salvation and the narrative that runs from the beginning to the end of scripture, that single red thread that represents the blood of Christ, God's redemptive plan that runs through time and history is a, a theme that each one of us have a place within. A couple of the references to preserving from above, purifying from within, looking at Joseph, Job, and preparing for what's ahead, Jesus, and his work on the cross. We'll be referring back to this, uh, this, this uh, title page here if you have your outlines and want to open to the passage that we're going to be on looking at this morning is Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 40, and we will not be reading through this entire passage. What I'll be doing is taking selective passages, one from the beginning, one from the middle, and one from the end, that give us a taste of history and how God has used men and women of faith who have gone through incredible periods of waiting and watching to see what God, the God of promise, what he has promised to do, which is always embedded in time, but in the timing of God alone. So our title here is, what's a, what's a, uh, it, it's about time we got used to waiting. That seems to be kind of a, uh, a call to be rethinking, and it is that, rethinking our definition of time and waiting, what that means. But as we see it in the book of the, the chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, which is oftentimes called the Hall of Faith, because we have the names that are given there, very specific in terms of men and women of faith, by faith, so-and-so did such-and-so as they were waiting 
for the promise of God to act. Our introduction simply is pointing to Isaiah 64, verse 4, that says, From of old, no one has heard or perceived by the ear, no eye has seen a God besides you who acts for those who wait for him. What a concise and incredibly compact verse that gives us the perspective that we need on two facts, two facts of history. Fact number one is that God is at work in history. The phrase that's used here, from of old, cause us to look back, to rethink and remind ourselves, how has God been at work in this world? But it is, the fact number two is here that God acts in history in his time and in his way. The second portion of this verse says, who acts for those who wait for him. The waiting aspect of, of faith is present here as well. And if we look at, get an overview of Hebrews chapter 11, what do we see? We see the waiting list of faith. Those that are named, Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Sarah, Joseph, Moses, Rahab, Gideon, Barak. Is that the correct pronunciation there? Samson, Jephthah, David, and Samuel. These are the ones who are named. And each one of them are put in a sentence form by faith. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Abraham, and so forth did such and so, such and such as they waited for the Lord to act. There are many unnamed people referred to in this. If you look at Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 38, you see a host of other, others who could have been put in here by name. So the Hebrew writer here is simply highlighting a few just to give us a taste of all those who waited through history for God, for the God of promise to act. So as we think through this, this is the big picture stuff here, and the Hall of Faith, Hebrews chapter 11, gives us an overview of time and history, of biblical history, and what biblical waiting actually looks like. Every name that you see in this list are not passive people doing nothing, waiting. It's by faith, so-and-so did such-and-so. And these are the things that remind us that our faith is not a passive thing. Our faith is an active thing. And this gives us evidence, and not only evidence, but a, an overview of what a living faith looks like. A living faith in the God of promise. So briefly, the outline we'll be looking at this morning from Hebrews chapter 11 is what faith is, verses 1 and 2. What faith does, verse 13, and what faith brings, the final two verses, verses 39 and 40. And I'll be reading these verses in the English Standard Version that's in your outline there. And I've asked my wife, Eileen, to read these same verses in the Message Bible, which really kind of opens them up 
the ESV. Some of you have the New American Standard Version or the King James Version. We become familiar with the reading of many of these verses. And the moment you open the Message Bible, whoa, this is, this is a neat way of expressing those same thoughts that are embedded in the passage. So as we start here in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 and 2, what do we read? Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. We see two key words here, and I'm going to unpack those words before we have Eileen read that in the Message Bible. We see that faith is first and foremost the assurance of things hoped for. When we think of Abraham, who was promised a child at age 75, and he had to wait 25 years for that, what does it say in the verses that just precede Romans chapter 4, verse 19? He did not waver in his faith when he considered his own body, which was good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. The verse that we're looking at here is that no unbelief made him waver concerning the promise of God. So the assurance that we see in verse 1 here, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, not only that, it's the conviction of things not seen. Assurance, conviction. Boy, I'll tell you what, these words are gold. And today, when truth has been watered down to the small t truth, not the truth of God's word, the capital T, the small, small t truth, What's true to me or true to you is relative. What is truth anyways? The words that come out of Pilate's mouth. Well, this is nothing new. But here we are today with a truth that's spoken out there that does not give assurance or conviction, being convinced. So these verses here from Hebrews chapter 11, 1 and 2, how does that read, Eileen, in the Message Bible? living. It's our handle on what we don't see. The act of faith is what distinguish our ancestors, set them above the crowd. So here, Jordan, uh, I was going to say Jordan Peterson, Eugene Peterson in the Message Bible opens this up where he talks about the fundamental fact of existence is that of trust in God, the faith that we have in the God of promise. And this is so fundamental and so basic, but here's the starting point of what faith is. It's something that brings assurance and conviction to the heart. I can stand firmly here because I know the one who has spoken the word into my heart. He, can, he is faithful. If you look up at the top of the page there, it's, there's a reference to 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who calls you, and he will do it. The faithfulness of God stands paramount in that place of assurance and conviction because our faith is, a, faith is objective. It's not a subjective thing. How do we feel? It's an objective thing focusing on God himself. So faith in the promise 
the God of promise assures and convinces us that whatever he has promised, we can confidently wait for. Boy, this is, this is significant and so fundamentally true for the life of the believer that grounds us, that gives us that firm foundation, the place to stand. And we see that the God of promise is the one who preserves and protects those who put their trust in him during extended times of waiting. This evening, we're going to look at the life of Joseph. And if you look back at the front, the cover page here, there's a reference to Joseph right in the middle of the, um, to the bottom of the, of the printout here. Consider how God preserved Joseph through his season of suffering and success in a foreign nation in order to save a nation. The stuff of the ways of God and the way in which he prepares and preserves and purifies those whose hearts are geared towards him, are focused on him, are profound. And we'll look at that this evening in the life of Joseph. So faith is what faith is. It brings assurance and conviction, confidence. But the next point on the outline here, waiting in faith, what does faith actually do? In Hebrews 11:13, it says, these all died in faith, not having received the things promised, but having seen them and greeted them from afar and having acknowledged that they were strangers and aliens on the earth. Now, we're missionaries. We live in Japan. I remember growing up in Japan where the typical thing of when they would see a foreigner in Japan would say, ah, gaijinda, there's a foreigner, there's an outsider. Gai means outside, jin is a person, a person from the outside. In other words, you're not one of us. The, the, the hall of faith here sees those who were ex accepting the fact, acknowledging that they were strangers and aliens or ex exiles on the earth, is embracing the fact that they have a home, that the Lord is preparing for them. And during the time of waiting, we see Jesus pointing to that home in John chapter 14. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I do that, I'll come back and take you to where I am. It starts out, trust in God, trust also in me. These are profound realities that oftentimes those of us who have never lived cross-culturally or lived outside the United States might not understand what it feels like to live as an alien or an, as an exile. Well, that's part of the call of God on the heart of missionaries to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. So this is a way of life for us that we accept and apparently those believers that are in the hall of faith that are unnamed but are given recognition of these died in faith not having received the things of promise and yet God sustained preserved, protected, and carried them through their time of being strangers or exiles on earth. So the perspective that we draw from, from this here is that faith imparts perspective for today. I'm okay with this. 
I never really liked being pointed at all the time when I was growing up in Japan and them saying, oh, gaijinda, you're never going to be one of us, you're one of them. That doesn't make you feel very good necessarily or in, invited or in, envel enveloped in the group. But in the midst of all of that, the Hebrew believer here is reminded it's okay to be in exile, to be a stranger, because we have a home that the Lord is preparing for us. Faith also imparts perspective on tomorrow, that those who died in faith were dying, looking ahead to the promise that God had given to them, and that did lie in the future. So here, faith in, in God's promises enables us to live confidently today, waiting patiently for what he has promised for tomorrow. That's considered being at rest, at peace, in spite of what's swirling around each and every day. And in the meantime, that God is at work both purifying and proving our faith, really preparing us for what lies ahead. In 1 Thessalonians 5.23, it says here, Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We see here that the God of promise is the God of peace. God brings peace to us in the midst of those circumstances as we wait on him and wait for him. So finally, in this section here of what faith does, we see that the God of promise is the one who purifies and proves or refines our faith as we trust him during those times of waiting. These are not wasted times. And in the life of the believer, God is always at work not only preserving, but also purifying, focusing our hearts on him. On our hearts on him who is faithful. When you look at the life of Job, and just one comment on the life of Job, consider how the Lord purified the faith of Job through the fires of suffering that led Job to testify at the end of that time of suffering. What did he say? My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. What did Job see finally by God's grace through intense suffering in his life? Saw the faithfulness of God, God who had never compromised nor had abandoned him, but preserved him, purified him, and prepared him for what was coming next. What a powerful picture of living in suffering and accepting the the process, what God is at work to do internally in our hearts. Maybe one of you this morning here are going through a significant time of suffering and you're wondering why is this happening? Maybe this is a reminder, just looking back and looking at the, the testimony of Job, my ears had heard of you. And if you look at the book of Job, you see at the very beginning, Job is called a blameless man a man who is upright in the sight of God. Why was this happening to him? Well, his testimony bears witness what comes out the other end. My ears had heard of you, and that was enough for me to live a blameless life. But now my eyes have seen you. 
What did Job see? He saw the faithfulness of God in a way he had never seen it before, and that was through the season of suffering that he went through. What faith is, what faith does, and lastly here, what faith brings. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 39 and 40, these are the last two verses of this chapter. It says here, I'll read this in the the English Standard Version, then have Eileen read this for us in the Message Bible. All and all these, though commended through their faith, did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should be made perfect. And let's hear how Eugene Peterson translate this, this verse for us. Not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, got their hands on what was promised. God had a better plan for us, that their faith and our faith would come together to make one complete whole, their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. Their lives of faith were not complete apart from ours. See, there's a story, there's a narrative that's running through time and history of God's faithfulness The God of promise has simply said to us, trust me. As we do that, as the ones who are recorded in this book, the Hall of Faith, are testifying to through their life and their words, we are included in that where Eugene Peterson says at the end here, God had a better plan for us, that's the inclusive us, all believers, that their faith and our faith would come together to make one complete whole, their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. This is, this is a, a, a summation of what times of waiting produce. There's the individual part, but then there's the corporate part. There's the part of the body of Christ. There's the part of the believers before the cross and those who come after the cross, those who look ahead to the cross and those who look back to see the work of Jesus, the final work of Jesus on the cross there. So here as we think of what faith brings, faith brings hope as we wait. In Romans chapter 15, verse 13, it says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. As you're waiting to be abounding in hope, that's simply because the God of promise has given us promises that are solid, that we can stand upon, that we can count upon, and just like the Hebrew, the the ones in the, the hall of faith here, they did not, they died in faith, not having received what was promised, and yet, seeing that promise from afar. Faith brings hope as we wait. It also deepens our faith as we wait. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8 says, Blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes, for its leaves remain green. It is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. 
as you're waiting, even with the heat being turned up, with the potential of seeing that life wither and die. Here it says, the blessed is the man who trusts in the Lord. He is like that kind of tree that is planted by the stream that draws its nourishment from the waters of the word of God and whose life then is fruitful and flourishes during that time of, of trial. Faith in God assures us that we have something better that's worth waiting for and guaranteed when it comes, we will be reminded that it was worth waiting every day for that promise to, to be given to us. This is seen fully in the work, the person and work of Christ. And when you look back at the, 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 the cover page here, the thought that's shared here is consider how the Lord put his plan of salvation into motion from eternity past and in the sending of his son as sin sacrifice that through faith the gates of heaven themselves would be open to those who believe. That's the hope that we gather in today. That's the hope that we're always reminded of through the word of God. And We've been looking at Hebrews chapter 11 as we conclude this morning and just looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I'll read this in the uh, English Standard Version and Eileen will read this for us in the Message Bible. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. In the Message Bible. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on, it means we better get on with it, strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat, no parasitic, parasitic sins. Keep your eyes on Jesus, who both began and finished the race we are in. Study how he did it, because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish, finish in and with God. He could put up with anything along the way, cross, shame, whatever. And now he is there in the place of honor, right alongside God. So as we conclude this morning, the encouragement from this morning, from the word of God, it's encapsulated in our title. It's about time we got used to waiting. And this is kind of a play on words. I sent Sid ahead of time the title message, but I didn't put the term about in there. And as I was preparing and I was thinking about this, I was thinking, it's about time. Oftentimes, we get so busy and so distracted and so task-oriented that we forget what the basic things of life are and how we're reminded through the word of God that it comes back to our basic trust in him. So our title, It's About Time, pause there. Time, it's about time, God's working in time, God's plan that's unfolding through time, yeah, it's about time that we get in step with that, 
as we get used to waiting, waiting not as a passive activity, but as an active, taking an active role in the plan of God as we each are called to participate in it. In 2 Corinthians 5, 7, it says, for we walk by faith, not by sight. And that's a basic thing of what the life of faith is. We look ahead. We stand upon the promises of God and look ahead to the fulfillment of those promises. So as it, when it's about time, about God's timing, we got used to waiting, waiting in the different sense of anxiousness and circumstances for things to move ahead. Waiting on the Lord is really the picture of faith that we've seen this morning through Hebrews chapter 11. And I'm just wondering as we wrap up this morning, how has the God of promise been preserving, purifying, and preparing you during this season of waiting? You might think of the pandemic and all the restrictions and all of the different things that each one of us have had to come to terms with. But going even deeper than that, during this time of waiting, how has God been preserving you, purifying your heart to draw your attention back to him, and preparing then you for what lies ahead? We have the privilege of being his people to do his work, to be his ambassadors, his representatives in this world, each one of us. And how are we? Are we listening? Is God having his way in preparing our hearts what lie ahead? Tonight we'll be looking at the life of Joseph for some profound applications and glimpses into the things that we've been talking about this morning. So come out this evening and we'll go further, we'll go deeper into this theme. But as you leave this morning, just leave with the thought, Lord, you have graciously invited me into your family. I have a role here. You are preparing me for what lies ahead. Lord, just give me ears and a heart to respond to you. Let's commit these things to him. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word and through the reminder, reminders in your word this morning that you are the God of promise, that as we trust you, just as those who are recorded in the book of the chapter of uh, Hebrews chapter 11, that they died in faith, not having received what they saw from afar. And yet those promises were firm and a foundation that they could stand upon. Lord, may you, by your grace, just uphold each one of us as you did them, that we might live lives that are pleasing to you, that are serving you, the God of hope. In your name we pray. Amen.